Welcome to the Lucas Miles Show. I'm your host, Lucas Miles. You know, it's not every day that I get to host someone who holds 11 Guinness World Records for death-defying feats. His name is Nick Walinda, and he's known as King of the High Wire, and you might have heard of his family, the Flying Walindas, that are known the world over. He's garnered support from tens of millions of viewers from around the world through ABC specials and other TV events such as the Discovery Channel and more. He's crossed the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls and I think blindfolded crossed two towers in Chicago. This man is the king of the high wire and he's on my show today to talk about his new book that's called Facing Fear, Step Out in Faith and Rise Above What's Holding You Back. I think you're going to love his story, the bravery and really the advice that he has for all of us today for the fears that we face in our life. And before I welcome Nick on, here's a word on our sponsor. This episode of the Lucas Miles Show is brought to you by Cove. Visit covesmart.com and use promo code LUCAS, that's L-U-C-A-S, for all of your home security needs. And with that, here's my interview with Nick Walinda. Welcome to the Lucas Miles Show. I'm your host, Lucas Miles. I'm excited to be here today with my guest, Nick Walinda. Nick, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So you have a new book coming out called Facing Fear. I do. Step out in faith and rise above what's holding you back. Definitely want to talk about that uh, on our time today, but I'd love to get a little bit of your backstory. What is the makeup of a man who is willing to put himself in some of the positions <laughs> that you have put yourself in before? Uh, you know, how did you get to that place? I mean, you tell us a little bit about uh, yeah, maybe what got you in this world of kind of extreme uh, stunts. It's it's uh, it's a great question. So my family actually started this back in the 1780s, believe it or not. Uh, they started walking on wires uh, over in Bohemia, eventually making their way to Europe, Germany, and uh, making their way to the United States in 1928. Uh, the ba- my background is certainly a circus family. Uh, my great grandfather was uh, extremely innovative in our industry. And, uh, and brought the family over to the United States to perform on Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus in 1928. Wow. And made their way over, performed in Madison Square Garden, the old garden, for their first performance. And uh, pretty funny story. The first performance in the United States, they got on the wire and did this amazing routine of feats. And when they came down and took their final bow, the audience went crazy, just like Americans do. They were whistling and screaming and foot stomping. But my family ran to their dressing room in fear because back then over in Europe, that was the same as being booed off the stage. Uh, so they thought they were going to be fired on the spot. They were actually called back to the arena floor in their first performance in the United States. They received a 15-minute standing ovation. Uh, so my great-grandfather went over on to do many, many amazing things, including creating the seven-person pyramid on the wire in 1947. They performed that successfully until 1962, where they were performing that pyramid in Detroit, Michigan, and uh, that pyramid collapsed. Two of my uncles were killed. One was paralyzed. Uh, but my great-grandfather snuck out of that hospital and living by those words, the show must go on, uh, with a bunch of injuries and performed the next day. And uh, went on to perform until he was 73 years old. He was performing between two skyscrapers in San Juan, Puerto Rico, walking on a wire about the size of a nickel, about 120 feet up. And as he made his way out, uh, after doing some studies of the films with geriatric specialists, etc., we believe that he went into cardiac arrest and actually oh. went down to grab the wire and ended up losing his life. And uh, about nine months later, I was born, and that was the legacy I inherited. Is the, I mean, this is just a side question here. I mean, is this pat? Is this like a DNA hardwire now for your uh, family who's been doing it this long? Yeah, I would tell you. Look, my great grandfather 
uh, said it best when he said, life is on the wire and everything else is just waiting. And wow. for our family, that's very true. This is life. In fact, I started walking the wire before my feet ever touched terra firma. And the reason why I say that is my mom was six months pregnant with me and still walking the wire. Uh, so when I was born, basically, as soon as I could stand, I was getting on a wire a couple feet off the ground. So at 18 months, I was already walking the wire. By the time I was three and four, I was pretty good at it. And uh, and then, you know, the rest is history that le that's led me to to where I am today. So let's, uh, let's talk about that. What what yeah. have been maybe some uh, uh, stretches that you've walked before? And uh, I know Niagara Falls is, yeah, is, so is one of those. So I currently hold 11 Guinness World Records. Not all of them are actually wire related, but uh, some of my my big televised specials. So my first televised special was in 2013 and it was live on ABC when I became the first person in the world to walk a wire directly over the precipice of Niagara Falls. That uh, walk took changing two laws in two countries that were over 100 years old. So I remember watching that. I watched and, that live, yeah. One in Canada over 100 years old just to get permission to do that walk. Uh, and I've also walked over, only person in the world to walk wire directly over the Grand Canyon. I, uh, I broke a couple world records over some skyscrapers in Chicago, walked actually blindfolded 650 feet up between two skyscrapers, uh, walked over Times Square, only person in the world, other than my sister who walked with me, which I talk a lot about in my book, um, because of the accident that led to that fear in, the, in this book. But um, also only person in the world most recently live on ABC to walk a wire directly over an active volcano in Nicaragua. I, what, what area of Nicaragua was that? Uh, so it was right near the capital. It was actually about 25 minutes from the airport. Yeah. I, have, I have been to at least the base of that volcano. The first, okay. My first trip out of the country was to Nicaragua. Wow. We went up and we hiked around the volcano and everything. So I know exactly exactly where you're at. I have a lot of great memories uh, of that trip. Actually, that was my, my first, uh, uh, I met my wife about a week before that and she wow. went on that trip with our mission team and uh, wow. really kind of where we fell in love. So uh, that that's wild. Um, and I, I, I love Niagara Falls. I just think it's like, it's such a beautiful place. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm in Northern Indiana. I've been up there quite a bit. I've done a lot of uh, uh, work and media projects and TV and ministry stuff up in uh, Toronto area and always try to get to the falls every time. There's something about standing there and just staring into that water that like it draw, it's like this siren. It just like wants to pull you, to pull you in. Yeah. You know, what, what's going through your mind, you know, when you are, when you're on a wire like that? You know, first and foremost, I would tell you, I'm very, very focused on what I'm doing. Of course, uh, most of the things that are going through my mind are of course, my training, all of my training leading up to that walk were, were um, the training regimen was created by studies that we did, scientific studies of the actual falls. How heavy would the mist be? How strong would the winds be? How wet would the wire be? How slack would the wire be? Those sort of things. Then we try to recreate those. So when I'm training, I try to put myself over Niagara Falls if I'm going to walk over Niagara Falls. And when I'm on over Niagara Falls walking, I put myself back in training. So a lot of it is focus. But I, I will tell you that I do not take for granted the fact that I'm the only person in the world that has ever been in that position when I do these walks. And I do take it all in. I mean, the as you said, there's something about the falls that is just um, it's mesmerizing. Yeah, uh, I will tell you the most intimidating part of that walk wasn't the cable. It wasn't several hundred feet up. It wasn't the rocks. It wasn't the rushing water. It was the sound of the mm. rushing water yeah. uh, that was extremely intimidating. Wow. Wow. So let, let's talk a little bit about this book, Facing Fear, uh, Step Out in Faith and Rise Above What's Holding You Back. Um, you know, you talk in the book a little bit about some different types of fear and, you know, talk to us about kind of what does this word fear mean to you? What fears have you had to face in your life other than obviously the, the practical side, you know, of, of that on a day to day basis? 
Sure. Yeah, look, I, I do believe that uh, that there are good fears and there are bad fears. There's fears that are put into us for a reason. Of course, we all, well, hopefully, most people, at least I do, have a respectful fear for God, of God. Yes. Um, but, uh, but look, I believe that, um, that there are fears that can hold us back from the, the calling that God has for our lives. You know, I'll tell you so many times getting seeking permission for Niagara Falls, there were doors closed in my face and which created fear. Am I am I doing the right thing? Is this going to happen? I'm going to look foolish because I tried so hard and got turned down. Um, and I think as a believer, we often will um, will often see a door closed as well. God doesn't want me to go that path. Well, yeah. you know, we also have an enemy that doesn't want us to go down that path 100%. often because he doesn't want to see us fulfill God's calling in our life. And during that entire process, I remember there are many times where I was thinking, God, I don't know how you're going to get glory out of this. This is my passion, walking a wire. Of course, this is a natural wonder that you created. And we're, we're showing off the majesty of your creation to the world in these TV specials. But how are you going to get glory? Well, see, at that point, I didn't realize that uh, my mic was going to be live while I was walking across uh, falls, the oh, fall. Wow. And uh, when I walk the wire or in any situation in life, when I am dealing with any stress or any anxiety, I, I either sing praise and worship songs or I talk to my Lord and Savior. And that's how I find peace. You know, the Bible says that God will provide a peace that passes all understanding. And that is a big prayer of mine, that he'll provide that peace. I, I'm very careful to never say, you know, God hold me on the wire. I don't want anybody to ever think that I'm tempting God or testing mm. God because yeah, the reality yeah. is God has given us all free will and it's yeah. all our choice. So yeah. I choose to get on that wire. And it's up to me to train and prepare properly before I get on that wire. Of course, I do have the confidence that if something happens while I'm on that wire or driving my truck or crossing the street to me, I know where I'm going to go. And I have the peace in that as well. Uh, but, you know, that just that just that story really, really, to me, speaks of of how fear can control us. You know, I when I step up to an edge of a building, my mind says the same thing as everybody else. Hey, you know, be careful. You're at the edge of a tall building. But I can also say, OK, you're right. I am. But I've done many studies before I get on this wire, and, and I, I know most likely uh, within a, a small percentage of what the winds won't exceed, uh, and I've trained it higher than that. So for Niagara Falls, uh, winds weren't supposed to exceed 40 to 45 miles per hour. I trained in 80 mile per hour winds. Oh, wow. I trained on a cable walking four times the distance. But again, I think so many people are gripped by fear. Uh, of course, nowadays, I mean, God's timing is perfect. We know that. And this book on facing fear was nothing that I'd ever planned. In fact, I wrote a book several years ago called Balance, and it's my life story. And I, I give my testimony. And that was figured that would be my only book. About two and a half years ago, we were training to uh, set a world record for the highest four-level eight-person pyramid on the wire. Uh, we trained for a couple months in my backyard in Sarasota, Florida. Everything went well. We start all of our stuff. We start down low. So two feet off the ground. Then we go up 10 feet off the ground. Then we'll go up 15 and then we'll go up to full height. So the goal was to go up to 28 feet. Uh, so we trained hard. We made it up to 15. Everything went well. We, we went up to 28 feet. And uh, as we made our way out on the wire, first rehearsal, everything went well. Uh, of course, there's always nerves. There's always a little bit of anxiety. Uh, but we made it across safely. And we said, let's call it a night. Let's come back tomorrow. Let's regroup and let's do it again. We came back the following morning started to walk out on that wire in the formation of that pyramid. I was on the bottom in the back. And uh, as we made our way out, I was about 12 feet from the platform and that pyramid collapsed. Um, it was certainly um, my worst nightmare. You know, I just spoke a few minutes ago about the history of my family, 1962, seven person pyramid falls, family members, two of them killed, one paralyzed. 
by the grace of God, I caught the wire. So did my cousin. That's what we trained to do. But uh, five of my family members fell to the ground. Uh, one stayed standing on the wire. My sister was one of them. My sister immediately into a coma. Uh, in the end, had broken every bone in her face, 72 screws and plates in her face alone. Didn't expect How to high off the ground was this at this point? So the wire was 28 feet. My sister was on the second level, so another 10 feet to her head, 11 yeah. feet. So she was about, about 39 feet up. Wow. Um, and so the odds, the chances of surviving that yeah. fall are slim, about 30 yeah, I mean, percent You chance. could fall 10 feet and, and, and right. have trouble surviving that if you hit wrong, you know. That's so. right. So that accident happened. I went on to perform the next day, just like my great grandfather. Accident, my sister's in a coma, don't know if she's gonna live. I get back on the wire and perform and perform for about six weeks straight. I do a lot of motivational speaking and speaking to corporate events and I actually spoke over an arena in Tampa, Amelie Arena, where I got on a wire 120 feet up and there were about 20,000 people from a company there and I spoke and inspired them and sort of went on. But what I didn't realize was that there was a seed planted in my head the day that accident happened. Mm. And I had sort of just buried that seed yeah. uh, and said, you know what, it, it's fine. It's, it's going to go away and, and just not acknowledged what had happened. I knew what happened. I didn't really acknowledge it. So after those six weeks of performing, I took about eight weeks off while my sister was still recovering. Uh, in fact, it took her several years to recover. But uh, but and her her return was was you know absolutely amazing. We talk about that in a minute. But she uh, she she shouldn't have lived. I I buried this fear and uh, and this seed and went on to perform. Took six weeks off. Went back. We were supposed to headline on a show performing the seven person pyramid on the wire. I'd contracted that, signed that contract prior to the accident and uh, was going to fulfill that, that contract. So we started training and I started experiencing fear, something that in that world I didn't even realize was in my DNA. And uh, it was something that became so bad that, that I would be walking, holding that pyramid and watching it, uh, watching the accident happen over and over in, in my head um, to the point where I finally went to my wife in our apartment in New York and I said, I can't do this anymore. I, I'm, I've got to stop. And I'll never forget that conversation with my wife. She said, look, I support you in every decision you make. However, uh, she said, your family history for over 200 years has been the show must go on. Every autograph you sign says never give up. You have said it many times and you have, uh, you're fulfilling this calling on your life to inspire and encourage others that nothing is impossible and you're going to give up. She said, I think you need to really think. Sit back and think. Uh -huh. You haven't been yourself for the last three months since that accident. I think you need to reevaluate. I didn't realize at that point. And then when I look back on my life, I wasn't, I wasn't who God created me. I yeah. forgot who God created me to be. Uh, and, and it took that moment to sort of snap in my head and go, you know what? You're right. I'm going to come against this fear. I'm going to come against this negativity that's been placed in my mind. And the book really t is the journey of what it took to do that. I also talk uh, at one of the, in one of the last chapters about my sister's return. Uh, Michael Strahan's a friend of mine. He hosted that TV special uh, that I did over Times Square. And uh, he said it best. He said, when you're in the NFL and you return after an injury, you don't return to the Super Bowl. And my sister not only returned to the wire after a near <laughs> uh, death experience, but she returned to the highest and the longest wire she'd wow. ever walked yeah, yeah. Uh, in front of tens of millions of people live on ABC. Again, proving that we have a father that goes before us. I believe that we have an enemy that wants to devour and destroy us. Uh, and, and if we just cave in to every situation, that's what will happen. But even the next day in a press, press conference to about 30 different networks around the world, 
I said, you know what? We have an enemy. I said just that. We have an enemy that seeks to devour and destroy us. We have a God that goes before us, and he will get the glory out of this no matter what. And in the end, that's really what this book is about. It was a negative situation that could have destroyed our family, could have destroyed my sister and literally taken her life, but we were not willing to allow it to do that. And I believe we all go through these situations uh, and we can use them for the better or for the worse, and we can use them to help others. And because I went through the greatest challenge of my life, which was overcoming that fear that had become so real in my life that it was debilitating, I'm hoping that through this story that people will read it and that they will say, you know what, I'm, if Nick's able to do it, then I can use some of the methods that he used and, and I can practice pulling that weed out before it expands and spreads seeds rather than just burying it. I think so many people do that when they go through a traumatic experiences, they just bury it. And they continue to bury it. And once it comes up and resurfaces, that's when they can actually deal with it. No, that, that's really good. I mean, powerful testimony, you know, incredible story. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, about that. You know, you've talked a lot about free will, which I'm I'm a believer in. It's a it's a big it's a big aspect of of, uh, uh, you know, topics that I study in regards to theology. And also, I know you're just meeting me, but I, I started as a pastor. I still preach every Sunday. And okay. and so that that personal responsibility is a really major thing for me. And I think that we've gotten that really distorted, especially in American Christianity. Absolutely. You know, um, I hear people go through things and, uh, you know, we've come across this all the time where they have a traumatic experience and they'll walk away from that. And that seed seems to turn into God did this so mm -hmm. that and it almost like it yeah. almost perpetuates that fear. What would you say to somebody that's maybe well, I would, the first thing I say? The first thing I would say is, no, God did not do this because I chose to be in that situation. We, he has given us, he loves us enough that he gives us free will. He loves us enough that even if we don't believe in his word, his word says it will not return void. Yeah. And therefore people that practice a positive lifestyle are generally very, very successful and positive and, and success can equal different things to people. But again, that's how much he loves us. So, you know, what I would say is God didn't do this to us. I put myself on that wire. My sister put herself on that wire. But God can use the situation that we put ourselves in to bring glory to his name. Yeah. And, and, and really, that's where I think people have it wrong. It's so easy when we go through a, a negative situation, even if it's not extremely traumatic, but to go, oh, God, it's your fault. God, I thought you knew all things. Well, he does know all things. But he also, again, has given us free will and, 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 a, and the power to make decisions. Now, of course, he can lead us by divine wisdom. And that's something that I pray for daily uh, is just wisdom. Um, but again, we make these decisions that lead to the situations that we're in often. Uh, and sometimes let's say we're not in control and, and look, I mean, people have said, well, what about a spousal, uh, you know, spousal, uh, abusive situation? Uh, look, we chose to marry that person. We chose to be with that person in the first place. Now there are situations certainly where that isn't the case, where maybe you are kidnapped or you are raped. It's somebody yeah. else's free will acting against you that maybe overpowers your own and, you know, obviously that's not God blame. You know, it's, it's, that is God's correct. created a world where he's elevated. But um, what I've learned is that people that have gone through those situations, they can use those in, in order to reach someone who's raped and help someone who's raped. Who's the best person to reach out and touch that person's life? Someone who's been through the same traumatic uh, situation. Yeah. Look at AA and the way that it's been set up. It is all about alcoholics helping alcoholics because that's what works. So again, we can take those situations and we can either say life is over and, and I'm a failure because this happened to me, et cetera. Or we can say, no, you know what? This can empower me and give me opportunity. And what I've learned is success to me is helping other people. You know, if I, if I can leave my, leave this world, knowing that one person accepted Christ, one person changed who they were, 
uh, and turned their ways and accepted the fact that their Lord, our Lord and Savior died on the cross for their sins and they're, they're washed away. If I, can, if I can leave the world with that, then I have, I have done more than any financial success uh, or than anything else in, in this world that this world has to offer. No, oh, that's awesome. We just got a couple more minutes left, but uh, you know, obviously, there's a lot of people experiencing some, uh, uh, you know, some practical fears. A lot of our listeners are probably not planning to walk across Niagara Falls anytime soon. Some of them are still struggling to leave their house in the middle of this whole COVID situation. You know, what would you say to maybe people practically that are going through some fears just based upon watching the news, seeing what's going on in the going on sure. in the world? Well, you know, can you speak to that for a moment here? I think the first key is watching the news can be a problem because it's just <laughs> speaking negativity in your life over and over again. Yep. I have learned uh, to kind of tune that stuff out. I, I get all my news on, on my phone uh, and I read it for myself and I educate myself. I think that we, even as believers and in the church become lemmings and it's just about, okay, well, whatever the pastor says is what it is. Well, the word calls us to, to research and study and learn this for our own. It's not up to someone else to decide what's right and wrong. It's really up to us to decide what's right and wrong. And that's the same with the media. Uh, and that's the same with what we surround ourselves with, whether it be the music we put in our head. I choose to listen to positive worship music pretty much all day long. If I'm mowing grass, if I'm driving in my truck, if I'm not, uh, if I'm not doing something where, where my attention is 100% demanded. In fact, even, even if I'm going through a tough situation through the night, I'll just play Christian music throughout the night, just very, very slow, cool. uh, quietly. Because it's speaking life into me the entire yeah. time, rather than death. So, first of all, we got to choose where we decide to what we decide to listen to, um, and then and then also again, I believe that that fear is is and I mentioned it in the beginning, but it's sort of like a weed that grows in your garden, and if you don't immediately deal with that, immediately deal with that negative thought, then eventually it will germinate and it'll take over your mind. So it starts out small as oh, should I stay in, and then it turns into I better not leave my house or I'm going to die. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I still practice this. And I will tell you that that is the that is the key. And I talk a lot about it in my book, but it is something that I continually practice. It's not like something you can master. In fact, my whole life, I was told that the, that the wire was a safe zone, that if I were to fall, I was able to catch it. That's what I trained to do. And actually, I've fallen a couple of times and every time I've caught the wire. That's what what has happened. Um, but I've always been told that, well, I forgot what I had learned. Uh, I'd forgotten that. And that's why fear creeped in after this accident. So I encourage people and I do it with every aspect of my life. Whenever there's a thought of negativity, I go, no, you know what? I'm not going to accept that thought of negativity because I have a father that goes before me that yeah. loves me. Um, and we as believers have it so much easier than anyone else because we have the scripture to go to. And there's an answer to every one of our problems. There's a solution to everything right in that book right there. And I think that that we need to just realize that and rather than turning the news, maybe we need to turn to the word more. That's awesome. That's awesome. Great way to great way to close this up. The book is called Facing Fear, Step Out in Faith and Rise Above What's Holding You Back by author Nick Walinda. Nick, thank you so much for being on the program today. It's a real thank blessing. You, and uh, any uh, what's some other ways people can kind of follow your your journey and check out some more of your your uh, your products and things? Yeah. So if they just go to nickwalenda.com, it's N-I-K-Walenda.com. They'll be able to find access to my book, but of course, any other retailer as well, but they'll be find out, able to find out where I'm at, what I'm doing and when my next TV special will be. Awesome. And we'll include all that in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for being on the program today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Lucas Miles Show with my guest, Nick Walenda. For more information, visit us at faithwire.com or check us out at lucasmiles.org.